Today, what I thought would be nice to talk about, there's almost, uh, I, I, we'll find out how, how you feel about this, but I think, I think there's like this, uh, this great resurgence in, in uh, a topic. It has lots of names nowadays. You can think of it, we, we've always called it uh, platform as a product. I think people call it platform engineering sometimes. Uh, you know, I think DevOps has come to mean a pretty specific thing. And uh, everyone tries to call themselves SRE people, but all the thought leaders still, I think, will say you can't call yourself SRE. So it hasn't passed through that, that, uh, that needle of the orthodoxy has gotten tired of telling people they're doing it wrong. I don't know if that's true, but it's a fun little story that I just told. Uh, it might be totally cool, and it's fine. Uh, it's like, I don't know, to go down that rat hole, it's like, you know, people get all worked up about SLOs versus SLAs. And I always think like, I don't know, maybe we should clear that up if it gets confusing uh, about things. A, a tool that's confusing to use is uh, may, maybe not too great. Wow. I'm really going off on a tangent here. Uh, but <laughs> um, so I thought, you know, we were we were talking and I'll let you introduce yourself soon. And uh, I think you know, you have a lot of experience with this idea of, of platform as a, as a product or platform engineering. So I thought it'd be nice to kind of get a, a, a new perspective on, on what that is there. Not new, but get an additional one, especially someone who's, uh, who's got some experience and has been talking with a lot of people. But before that, why don't you introduce yourself, guest? Absolutely. So thank you, first of all, for having me on the show. Um, it's really nice of you. So my name is Brian Ross. Uh, I recently joined VMware uh, in May there, and I work in the Tanzu Value Advisory. So we go out and give exec um, advisement and engagement to some of VMware's top customers. Before that, though, I was at Sky TV, uh, where I was responsible for the technology products department, um, and we built platform as a product. Um, so we had IaaS services, CAS services, PaaS services, and all of it was really just based around trying to give developers at Sky the ability to get whatever great idea they've got in their head out into production. Um, and Sky being in the media sector, everything's about speed and agility. So doing that with the least amount of friction is is the most important. Um, so yeah, pl platform as a product to me is is vital. I think the um, the interesting part for me is that it's not just about the technology. It's kind of about people and culture and understanding some of the... Uh, philosophy behind it and some of the, the psychological factors and in terms of encouraging people to do what you're doing and helping you along there rather than doing their own thing. So, so give us a, uh, um, I mean, I guess as long as you want, what's the old saying? It should be as, as, uh, as long as necessary, <laughs> but like, so what, what is, and, and kind of, you know, uh, I guess maybe differentiating from like not platform operation a platform as a product <laughs> like like what what does it mean and you know you listed you listed kind of a, a stack of technologies which i think is an equally valuable part of the concept but and but there's also as you said the processes the way of working uh, around it um but yeah i i mean what what did the the concept end up meaning in in practice uh, as as you were doing it and talking with other people doing it? Well, that even me permission to ramble. Um, that's, uh, <laughs> there you go. That you'll, you'll regret that very quickly. <laughs> um, so I think for me, it's so I was very lucky in many respects. I my past career has all been around managed services and consultancy. So mm. being in front of customers has been a, a major part of, of my role. And it's the bit that I really like. It's helping people get the best from technology. I think from that, um, the big thing for me is that it's it's almost like running a company within a company. 
So you mm. stop really thinking about some of your, your colleagues as being your colleagues, and instead you think of them as customers. And that, I think, is the first big transition. So if you're working in a team and you look at you, the people that you're serving as customers, then the mindset and everything that follows from that is very special. Whereas you know, the classical operations team would be you know, the IT department, probably hidden in a basement somewhere. Um, you, know, you, would, you would only interface with them through, through tickets and service now or, or some other platform. Um, so I think when we look at platform as a product, what we're really talking about is how we go about selling what it is we've got internally. But I think as well that, that um, changes well how we develop things. So the first one is really just how we engage. So let's talk about that very quickly. Um, so you have your technology platform. That's fantastic. But who's going to use it? I think you need to consider all things that go around that product. So that might be marketing. How are you going to tell everyone in your company what a great job you're doing? Um, you know, we've all got very bad internal, you know, websites and things. How are you going to make your stand out? <laughs> so, so for me, it was it was a five dollar bootstrap template, very graphical, very low on content, but something that felt like a hosting provider. You know, if you were going online and shopping about for providers, it's the type of thing you might see there. So very sales oriented. Sales in itself, you know, going out and asking people what the problems they've got are. Um, working around your internal users and business units and not trying to overly sell them what you've got, but really understanding where their pains are and trying to build your product around that. You've then got the technology part, building the platform. And I think that I'm dismayed at the number of businesses out there that are building something like a platform in complete isolation. Usually it's the infrastructure team. They'll put something together they haven't actually gone out and asked developers if this is what they want or is mm. it solving the right problem. Um, I think it was one of uh, one of your talks where you were talking about, you know, we look at process automation a lot of the time and improvement, and we talk about making that box better, faster, whatever, but we don't really look at the interlinks between the boxes, what happens in the handover. And I think that's one of the critical parts. It's the, where's all the friction? And then around there, you've got things like your um, your support and the policies that guide it. So again, if someone's got a problem with it, how do they contact you? And, you know, spoiler alert, I don't think raising a ticket for everything is the right answer. <laughs> I think, that, you know, you want something a bit more human. So um, that might be a Slack channel. That might be um, weekly drop-ins. That could be monthly innovation sessions where you get into an auditorium, invite as many people as you can, and just talk about what you're doing with the platform. It might be community events where you're doing something fun just to try and get all your users, customers, together into one space. So, you know, how you go about approaching the, like, what you are and the value you bring, I think that's really important. So you cannot produce a platform without customers. If you do that, then you, you're not adding value to business. And then the second part of it, I think, is just about how you, the mindset of the financing of it, which is always the tricky bit in big enterprise, Right. Traditionally, what happens is we're still stuck in somewhat in a waterfall method where you have a great idea, you go to finance, you get some money for it, and then you have a project that might run for six months, 12 months, 18 months. You promise some really big outcomes, and then you work hard to deliver against the outcomes that you set at the very beginning. And then there's an expectation at the end of the project that something is finished. And of course, if you're running a company and selling products, you're never finished. 
And I think that's the other critical part. You working with your finance team to explain that we're not building a project here. We're not completing a piece of work. We're going to build a product that's going to continue to grow with the business and grow with its user base. Um, so yeah, those two things I think is, is platform as a product to me. Um, and I think it's, it's probably quite different and hopefully quite refreshing and people saying that, yeah, that's what we should be doing. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sounds great. <laughs> it sounds great. Yeah. Um, it sounds like sense to me as well. Like if you, it, you know, if your department isn't adding value back to the business, then you're not selling something, Like you don't I think it was always traditionally the cost center. And I think that's the thing that we want to try and turn around with platform as a product. We want mm. to, be able to demonstrate our value and perhaps maybe even sell those things to our internal customers for a cost. So there is a real value attached to it as well. Well, well, first of all, uh, you're, you're uh, very well organized in your rambling. So, so excellent job there. I could, al I could almost see and feel the bullet points and the, uh, the, the McKinsey title slides as we were moving through it. So that's, that's great. Uh, yeah. So, you know, there, there's, there's, I think there's several, there, there's, I mean, obviously each of those items I think will be fun to dig into. And I think, let, let me, let me run by you as, as I talk about this topic with people. I mean, I'm, I'm always in this weird role of like, I don't actually do anything firsthand. So I just uh, collect uh, comments from smart people. I've got that cliche disclaimer about stuff, but whatever. Um, like, like when, when I was, when I was thinking through platform as a product stuff recently, like you hit on it at the, at the end there is I think Tell me, tell me what you think of this. I'm going to state it as if it were true, and then, and then we can discuss it. Is that when, so when you're talking about platform as a product, the kind of uh, the audience that you're primarily talking with are like operations and infrastructure people, because that's, that's what you're talking about is infrastructure that developers use. And I don't know, just a footnote, a major assumption that I think we skip over is like, well, we don't skip over it because you mentioned developers as customers, but all of this is for running applications, right? And, and, and the shorthand, you know, it's good to stop oneself from disclaiming over and over again, because then the footnotes become the primary text. But like, um, like what, as a shorthand, what we say is developers. And that actually means like, you know, all of the people involved in deciding what features are in an app that is helping a business run but whatever, we'll say developers. Uh, so like, essentially, like if there aren't developers involved, you probably don't care or need to know, care about platform as a product, because as you said, they are the ultimate customers that you're servicing, which brings me back to the, the idea I've been trying to develop, which is like, so traditional, I'll just call them operations people, like traditional operations, like I think over the past, I've lost track of how long ago this is, but over the past 20 years, they, their, their, their view, philosophic viewpoint, <laughs> if such a word can be applied to work, has been, I provide a service, right? Like my job is to provide a, uh, basically like uptime and availability, like, you know, whatever the service is, whether it's networking or running your application or storage that's available or performance like my customer and this is where it gets a little like too metaphoric my customer are metrics right so my job is to make sure that these metrics are in an acceptable in a green state right and this is where people get all upset about slas and stuff like that but I, I you know as with most things that we seek to change it probably was a great idea at the time 
<laughs> right to because because you know my my version of the story like having worked at bmc software a long time ago is like you would be shocked nowadays with the the reliability we have nowadays and how terrible so reliability was in in the 2000s right like stuff was just going down all the time so it was almost like if you were in operations it would be a career's worth of work just to make sure the email server stayed up enough, right? Or to make sure that the application you had stayed up enough. And so that was a totally valid thing to focus on, just those metrics. And so that seems like the first sort of laying it out uh, that, that I've been thinking of is like, all right, operations people, your customer forever, for good reason, has been metrics, just uptime and availability. And now as you're going into, it seems like, the reason we talk about this much is like as an operations person and you mentioned it, right? Like the shift you need to go through, and this is the product part is that now your customer are those developers. And of course it has to work, <laughs> right? Like, like the software has to stay up and be available, but that is because we've done so much work there. Now we can move on to a different problem, right? Like now it's, I hesitate to say the word easier, but now it is less difficult <laughs> to to like yeah. ensure availability. And so we can do more, right? And that more is that we can start thinking about how we make the process of running applications of developers better. And and that's why that's why this conversation is important because there is a big mindset shift that I think people aren't quite aware of uh when when they're thinking about doing platform as a product and 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 it's important because if you don't if you're not aware of like you're you're trying to change that habit and that mindset then you'll just kind of fall back to satisfying that like you've got to kind of be walked through uh thinking that i don't know so what is that is that is that a storyline i can start using uh does that does that uh, as we say back in my neck of the woods hold water does it work out yeah i i think there's a lot of truth in there um i think it's maybe important as well to highlight that um, you know, we talk about operations and, and sometimes there's like almost a negative connotation to that. But I think mm. it's important. The thing that you've drawn out there is that it's not um, it's not a blame factor in any way against operations people not, not doing the right thing. I think you, you're absolutely right in that the the priorities for them have changed. And I think that anyone in a role just now where they are running a big platform and they feel as if they are hidden in that basement, metaphorical basement perhaps, um, now is the right time to to really start to think about engaging with users, with customers, and changing that mindset. Um, I think there's a lot of value that comes from that, not only for your department or your team, but I think personally as well. Like I, the reason I enjoy working with customers customers so much is is because you get to see the fruits of your labor. Um, mm. And in Sky, I think there was a there's always a huge part where you you almost had to you know put your head up now and again to remember the end result of what you're what you're working towards it's not really about uptime it's not about which server choices we make or how hot that cpu is running or how great the data center is organized what we're really looking at is is telly still working is broadband still working Can <laughs> right. people contact us when they want to right and i think the it was always great my team we were based in scotland as you might tell from the accent but it was great going down to London where you'd actually be right next to the recording studios, for example. And I always made a, a point of getting my team down there in real life so they could see and touch the business that that is really the the front part, you know, rather than just the the back end servers and the day-to-day -day worries. Um mm -hmm. 
So I think the uh, the other part for operations as well is is as you say, things have changed for them, and I think the when you were talking about they provide a service, I think there's some operations team that's perhaps they they provide knowledge, and mm. uh, and that's the the skill that I think that they've they've really got, and they definitely do have. And you know, I won't get started on a DevOps ramble about how that's been changing and trying to bring teams together, but they've got a lot of knowledge and skills in running things and running big things and managing you know disparate states. Right, um, right. But I think the thing that's changed as businesses now, we, we need a better way of surfacing that. Previously, it was SLOs, SLAs. It was all of measured and uptime. Whereas now that knowledge and that expertise is bubbling more to the surface. It's how can people leverage that? And I think that there's, um, I think businesses that are really able to get the most out of their people in that way and give them an opportunity I think that can be a real um, differentiator in terms of scale. If you've got a business that's doing really well, you're not going to get any faster unless the engine can keep running cleanly, right? That's that's right down to oil and, and your choices there, right? It's all the little bits that are going to come together to make that big change. And I think if you're a large business and you're doing great things, if if the engine is running dry and it's creaking, then you, you're not going to be able to expand. You're, you're going to have a bad time, you know? So, so maybe let's see, let's, let's try to, uh, I mean, I will do this as, as the, uh, the host here, but maybe let's try to organize this, this conversation. So if you're so well organized, maybe you have a, a better idea, but, but maybe we can, let's, we can work from the top of this concept of like developers as customers and then kind of like move towards like, what does this imply as far as the, uh, implies a weird word. What, what, what does this mean as, as far as the the day-to-day work that that operations people do the platform engineers and then i think it would be good to end up with like well then you know what's the technology supporting this right like i assume we're not running windows 2000 uh when we're doing this so there you know this is one of my personal pet peeves is like everyone's always like oh technology is easy it's people that hard and i'm always like are you are you sure about that because i'm pretty sure technology is difficult <laughs> but <laughs> one of them might be more difficult than the other but <laughs> technology is definitely very difficult uh but um so you, so yeah i mean to to that end or, or, or following up on the what i was just saying i guess it wasn't so much a suggestion as a statement uh but like, since you you have done this and been on teams of it, like, what is it like to shift to thinking of developers as customers? Like, what does that what does that mean? And 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 what are, what are the different habits and kind of workflows that people change? Like, you've highlighted, I mean, just to, to throw out one thing, right? Like, uh, well, previously for most ops people, the primary interface. <laughs> out of the basement, so to speak, uh, is basically a, a ticketing desk, right? Like there's other ones, but that's probably the most frequent way that you interact with with other people and kind of get a sense of what's going on. Um, but what does it start looking like in, in, a, in a platform as a product mentality? Well, I think the, the most interesting thing is when we use the word customer, I think because it's such a, a well-known term, it automatically, in everyone's heads, they should be thinking of a few key parts. So the mm. first part is, if you have customers, then you have customer service. And that's there's a big jump there straight away. That is the idea that, well, we have someone that's asking us a question, and there's a few ways we can answer that question. Now, the traditional way might be, 
sorry, this is the wrong type of ticket. You'll need to raise ticket 472 for this. Mm. Um, or no, this ticket requires management approval. You'll need to go back through another couple of steps. Whereas if you are focused on a customer, your response is going to be different. It's going to be, thanks, thanks so much for getting in touch. There's actually a different form to do this, but let me raise that for you. And I've cut and pasted the details for you. But right. next, get it direct by going to here. Right? Wouldn't that be nice in, in life if people are like, you've done something wrong and all I have to do is, is cut and paste to correct it. So I have done that. <laughs> yeah. like, and, you know, if you think about it, you, you go to the supermarket and you, you, first of all, you find someone who's identifiable as staff. They are there and they are present. They are there to help, right? You don't have to walk all the way to the front of the store to wait in a queue to find someone from customer service so that you can ask them where the sugar is. Mm. And instead, you'll find someone nearby on the aisles because they're, they're there and they're present. And when you ask them where the sugar is, they're, they're probably going to guide you exactly to where it is. And then they might advise you on what kind of sugar you want, right? And that's the big <laughs> difference with customer service versus a ticketing system. And the better you are at customer service, then I think the more engaged your user base is going to be. Unsurprisingly, if you're nice to people, they're more likely to come back and, and ask either for more help or just be more nicer to you when they're, when they're looking for something. Yeah, you, you know, I, th I think just to, to just go on that a little bit, I mean, one, like even worse to, to your, your, your metaphor there is uh, if you were looking for the sugar, if you were required to write down on a slip of paper that you needed some help and go put it in a box somewhere and then just like something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and like, I mean, I think, I think, I think, I, I, again, like, like you've gotten me really interested in like going from high level concepts to like, what that what that means from shifting from one way you think to another that kind of determines like just your actions and your habits and like i think your sugar one is a good example there of to to a certain extent like in a traditional way of doing service you see your job as like solving pro in, in the best possible way of solving problems that the the person is asking for in a ticket right so the problem there could be like uh i need where is the sugar and and so you could a, a good answer would be like it's on aisle six, you know, next to the coffee, whatever, right? But like as you're getting to, but you also without it being too like highfalutin of like you know I always get annoyed by strategy things are like we're not actually a company that has a bunch of trucks that delivers packages to you, we're a dream maker. Right. Like, it's just like, whoa, you've gone way too high up the stack. <laughs> like you actually are a company that has trucks that delivers packages to my door. That's what you do. Right. You know, like whatever. But there, there is a certain level you can go up where you're aware that like, well, when they do get to that road, there's going to be 15 types of sugar. And I should make sure that they know that they are able to be successful at what they're doing, right? Like, do they want fine grain sugar? Do they want sugar-free sugar? Like, so it might behoove me to at least go over there and be like, we've got 15 types of sugar. Do you know, do you know that you know which one you want? <laughs> right. And so even, even that level is like, that starts to get to more of a product management standpoint where, in order to solve the first person's problem, you have to ensure, I mean, this is tricky without being pedantic and a bit of a jerk, but you've got to be like, do you know the criteria by which you're selecting things so that you are solving the problem? And even doing that, like, I mean, I feel like that is a 
30% of what it means to think in product and customer terms is just making sure people are aware of, uh, of how they're solving their problem. And I think the, the, the difference is in when you look at it from a customer service perspective, you're no longer trying to catch them out. You know, you're mm. no longer trying to show that they don't know what they're doing or what some of the traditional things would be. But instead, it's, it's honestly, you're trying to help. You're like, well, what is your making? And some of it is honest curiosity. Like, what, what are you going to do with the sugar? Are you build, making a cake? Are you having a birthday party? Oh, that's amazing. Do you know we've got birthday cards in an aisle seven? Do you, do you need anything else? Is there something else I can help? Can I get an invite? Um, you know, there's, there's a bunch of stuff there. That, and I think, that, again, none of this is rocket science. I think this is simple human interaction. And I think that's what, for me, bringing customers back into the equation really does, is it humanizes everything we're doing. There's a reason why we're working on this SSL certificate. Okay, we need to get it renewed right now because it's about to expire. Well, obviously now it's an urgent thing because you missed your date. That's terrible, but I'm, I'm not going to, I'm here to help you. All right, you're in a hurry. No worries. We've got an express aisle. Let me work that through for you. I understand that you, you're in a rush. Okay, look, we'll get this done. Next time, it would be great, though, if you could tell in advance that it's coming. <laughs> yeah, way, yeah. Service that will monitor it for you. And that way, we can tell you when you're about to run out of sugar. Or you can call us, and we'll, uh, we'll have someone reserved for you. That, um, that's, 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 a good, that's a good de-sugarfied example, so to speak. Uh, a, li a more literal example is, because I'm sure it happens all the time, right? And, and like the, the simple, the, the ticket-based way would be to, like, well, the problem they're trying to solve is they need to renew a certificate. So I will tell them how to do that. Or the advanced level is I will do it for them. <laughs> right. And that, that would be nice, but the even, but more of the, the product centric way of doing it would be to say like, well, we've got to solve the immediate problem. So we'll do that. And as you were going over the, the problem that they're really trying to solve is that they want things to be secure. And that implies a whole way of them operating and things that they're going to be doing. And so we should make sure that they're successful at that right? Like not just when they come to us and ask for something, like we should help them out and maybe get an invite to the party. Uh, and so like, instead what we should, we should solve the problem and also like see if they will let us help them make sure one, this doesn't happen again, but that they are doing things in, I don't know that they're doing, I don't, I, I can't find the words, but that, that they know the activities they should be doing to ongoing, make sure they're being secure, right? Almost like kind of help them out <laughs> in, in, in solving the problems that they had. I don't know. I kind of lost the thread there, but it, it does seem like there's a good shift in just like, oh, we've renewed the certificate for you, or here's a form to go fill out and you can renew it versus like, yeah, let me get involved a little bit and help you out to make sure that you're set up uh, correctly with that. I think that's it. So if you mix a little bit of curiosity and honest curiosity, we're not, again, we're not trying to berate them for the fact they haven't got an SL certificate renewed on time. Instead, we're saying, oh, you're doing something secure. What, what website's this for? Because again, that's one of the important things, right? It could be an internal you know, um, CICD pipeline that we're working on, or it could be the company's main website. You know, it, And it's really important to maybe understand that, and then you can get involved in that conversation. And again, if you are approaching things from a position of trying to help, I think that many people will react well to that. And yeah. also throughout this process, you're building personal relationships too. Um, you know, so to take this into something that's more real, if you've got a ticketing system, the problem is it goes into the IT department and it's just this black box. And worse still, you might get a response that comes back signed, thank you, the IT department. You know, not, <laughs> nothing personal about it at all, right? 
Whereas yeah. if it's a, a Slack channel or a Teams chat or whatever medium you choose, all of a sudden becomes individuals just talking. And again, I'm I'm a really big fan of trying to to encourage those by any means, especially if you can get people face to face, especially if you need customers, users in one room too, to talk about their own experiences. Bearing in mind that from a platform perspective, not all of it's going to be positive. But how you react to that's going to be the the main thing. Going great. We've got five customers that have all got the same problem here. This is clearly a big priority for us. We are going to replan the next six months and we're going to fix that problem for all five of you. Is there anyone else in the room that, that has having this problem or a problem like that? You know? So so that that's 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 another layer down of of the practical stuff to to discuss, right? Is like <laughs> I mean you just said this is what you do, so I know the answer to this uh, this this rhetorical question. But like, man, it seems like that's a lot of work, <laughs> and, and 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 in the sense of like, you know, for from a from an operations person's pers- person's perspective, one of the reasons you have a help desk is to uh, so you're not overwhelmed, and so that you can keep track of what the requests are, and like be able to respond with them instead of losing track of stuff. And like, you know, it seems like if you move everything to like Slack you're just opening yourself up to chaos, right? Like to all these requests coming in and you can't really prioritize it and track it. And, you know, who's going to, you know, there's, there's all sorts of practical things that help us as like assign it to a person, you know, figure out if it's it's been uh, ignored for too long, give someone a reference when they want to check on it. Like there's great practical things. And so like, what does it actually mean if you move to like more of a conversational way of doing things like how do you make that work i i assume you don't just have a slack channel and you're like see you there everyone <laughs> <laughs> that's a really really good point and you're absolutely right we there's going to be the right tool or the right medium for that type of conversation um and again trying to hold it back from technology talk too much and make some real world examples Right now, most businesses are looking at digital journeys for their customers. And, you know, there's two sides to that. One is that it's better for the customer. If you can pick up your phone, you can you can get the answers you want, you can make the changes to your account that you need to do, and you can do all of that asynchronously without without having to get involved with with a deep and meaningful or, or delay. That's mm. great. The other subpart for the for the business is that if you've automated that process, you perhaps need less people involved in running through that manual step of verifying the customer right and then making the change i think the same thing is true for technology teams like you need to have the right medium at the right time so i think think tools like slack or teams is a really good front door um so if you have a question about how to use the product or um, what the product is or you have a technical issue if it's really simple, then go ahead and answer it straight away in Slack or Teams. If it's a request for work or a change that has to happen, then there's a better place to track that than Slack, more than likely. Right. Um, so in an ideal world, it would be automated. You'd have self-service for all the things that your customers want to do. That's not always going to be the case for anything that's not automated. I think you then want to to have that ticketing system. And again, how you go about raising the tickets may be part of it saying, well, I can't answer that here. So what I've done is that I've put that in the queue. Um, I've raised a ticket. Here's your reference number. An engineer will be in touch with you over the next couple of hours or days, depending on what, what the problem is. And again, this is where the classic thing is, well, is this dev or is it prod? Is this urgent for you or not? And if you say it is urgent, can you explain why? What's the business impact? Um, 
And that will help you through having a conversation to raise the right ticket first time. Um, and don't get me wrong, I don't think you can run an entire business this way. I think it's it's down to specific parts. And I think a platform is something that can be heavily automated because your goal, as I say, should be that everything that a customer wants to do to engage with that platform should be automatable. So if you look at the likes of our hyperscalers, our Amazons, our Googles, our Microsofts, it's not very common that you have to phone up Microsoft, Amazon, or Google to ask them to do something on their public cloud, right? So a platform in your on-prem, bearing in mind it might be hybrid as well, should be kind of similar if you've done your job right, is that you should have a, a self-service for most of this. So it's it, so that that's that's good because it's it's like well I mean for many reasons but like it's making me think that if 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 you were to try to be specific for the reason to be concise uh, like the change that you have is usually traditionally the 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 we'll say tickets traditionally tickets are not only the primary but maybe the only interface to the basement right? Like the only way of interacting, the only town square, if you will. And then it's not so much that we're suggesting changing that. It's that you add an additional, you somehow separate out when are we doing basically like knowledge sharing, like answering questions about like how something works, general knowledge sharing. And that's something that you can do in more of a whatever you may be using, a Slack channel somewhere. And it seems like you have to manage, manage, you have to set expectations on either side of the question answer thing where somehow the people answering the questions, they have to understand that it's more like going on the internet and going to like, you know, stack exchange or whatever and asking a question, right? Which it's kind of like that shift that everyone had to go through in the 2000s to realize that like Wikipedia was actually better, <laughs> right? Like, like everyone was like, what do you mean anyone can come in and edit? And like, it seems totally unreliable and crazy. And like, and, and it turned out that like, back when there were great concepts like the wisdom of crowds before that was ruined by the crowds actually coming, the mobs, so to speak, maybe there's, there's a distinction between a crowd and a mob. Uh, but um, what you realize is that it was the, the, the nature of that medium was actually better for sharing knowledge. And similarly, if you set that expectation that like, if I just have a question about how something works, or even if I'm trying to, I have a problem that I'm, I'm getting around to, it probably will be better for me to have almost the no promises that I will get a response that is inherent in, in like a, a, a chat channel. And so if you can kind of separate out that bulk of things from, from a, uh, a help desk thing, uh, then that allows you to, when a help desk, with a help desk, it's more, or a ticket, it's more, here are almost sort of specific actions that need to be taken, right? Versus, or, or like a crisis, like you were saying. And it seems like if, 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 if you can separate things out like that, then it becomes better for everyone instead of filtering everything through that, uh, that ticketing system. Yeah. And there's, a, there's two really interesting things that you touched on. Um, so without doubt, just, just to clarify, if there's a production incident, Slack is not the right place to tell people like that. <laughs> right, right. You know, there should be other, there should be a more progressive on-call and everything else, right? As you say, the, the different mediums should come with almost an SLA, but let's not be too specific about it, about what's the expectation on response. Um, and then coming back to this idea of, of people in a town square, 
the nicest thing that, that I saw in my time building these platforms out was the community that you end up gluing together around these products. Mm. So if you are operating in the open in transparency, people are asking questions and you're answering them. Well, first of all, now it's searchable in Slack. So that's that's a great place to start with anyway. It's not a one-to-one anymore. You can actually possibly find the answer to your question already. The other thing is it's not just your team that's in that Slack channel. It's all of your other users too. So, um, so in Sky, some of our platforms would have a thousand people in that channel. And we would right. have advocates who who for whatever reason, when someone asks a question, if they know the answer, they'll answer the question. It doesn't need to be an engineer from the platform team. So a lot of the interactions are actually just customer to customer. Um, and I think that becomes really powerful. And again, if you're if you're smart, just like in a business, if you've got someone that's an advocate for your product, I almost said influencer there, but I'm going to hold myself back. <laughs> but if you've got an advocate for your product, then you're going to encourage that, right? So yeah, um, I've seen in other businesses where they have um, almost a loyalty program, whereby if you are shown as knowledgeable or you pass some kind of test or or there's, there's some bar that they've set, if you can show that you're at this level, you'll get a badge next to your name or you'll right, get right. Um, free resources on that cloud platform for your own test and development purposes. Or we will give you the opportunity to to lead a, a talk at one of the conferences about how you're using the platform, how you're getting the best from it, and what it means for the business. So, I think the when we start working with people, we need to remember as well that we're real. We're trying to do is build a community around that, and a portion of your your audience is going to turn out to be advocates. Don't get me wrong; you'll also have some people in that audience that perhaps don't like your product as much. They're going to they're going to complain about it, and yeah. again. Customer service-wise, you should have two Slack channels. You should have one, which is public-facing for everyone that you're, you're working with. And you should have your private Slack channel with just your team members in it. And that's where you complain about your noisy customer. That's where you complain about, <laughs> I can't read right. this question again. That's where you you go, oh, I, oh, that is nasty. That's terrible. What can we do about that? I don't know. You know, You work out all of that in the back room, you know? Let me go and have a chat with someone in the in backstore and see if we've got one. That type of thing. You should have that back channel so that in terms of customer, it's a really nice, clean environment. They're seeing the best of you at all times. Um, you need but, your uh, you need your group therapy uh, to yeah. just maintain uh, morale. <laughs> <laughs> well, customer service is hard, right? Putting a smile yeah. and being nice to everyone all the time is hard work. But there's a reason why there's an industry and... Um, and training and expertise in that thing, it is a skill. So I, I, I mean, that, that that topic is great. Like that would be uh, uh, that's a whole uh, the whole other other area, whole area there to uh, sink down into. But but I want to move to something else that you brought up, which is um, the you mentioned this, and I this is one of my favorite topics in this area is basically like the marketing that goes on with things, right? And and uh, I'll, I'll use your word, uh, you know, you need to build up influencers and, and even advocates uh, that are doing that and marketing around it. And, and like, talk about your experience with that, like the amount of internal marketing and community building and even brand uh, that, that in your experience you think is necessary for, the, for this, this approach. So you've, you've, I think you touched on all the big keywords there. Um, 
So I think first and foremost, understand what it is you're actually trying to build and be able to articulate what problem it's going to solve. And that, again, bringing this back to, back to technology, that cannot be we're building a Kubernetes platform because that's not solving a problem. That's, that's just a technology. Um, so what is it you're really trying to solve? I think the next thing is find your first customer. Don't go ahead and build a platform. Find your first customer, someone ideally that you've done business with already, that they have this problem you're going to help them solve. Now, bearing in mind, there's a lot of trust there. You haven't built a platform yet. They've still got a problem that they're challenged with. But try and build a partnership where you promise to, to be really responsive and help them build. Mm. Um, I think that's really powerful for a couple of reasons. I think the first one is when you're having your chat with your finance team, you can now draw this back to a business benefit. We're not just building technology out. We're doing this this part of the business can make more revenue. Um, also, as soon as you're successful, we'll just assume that you've been successful. Um, but as soon as you're successful, you've now got your first advocate. So you take that customer on a roadshow. You talk about the the challenges, and I think being open and transparent is an important thing. So, for example, you know, being at uh, VMworld now, VMware Explore with those, those type of TED-esque talks where you're telling a story about striving, about challenge, and about eventual success, those mm, right. would work, right? And I think that if it's a real person that's, that's used your platform, I think that's really important. Um, and then you get your second customer, and you do the same thing. You build this up over layers. Um, branding, I think, isn't... I think it, branding's good. Um, I... I think it's difficult naming things. I think we could all agree is is always the hard part. But I think there's a lot of value in giving your product a name and giving your product a logo and making it identifiable. And especially mm, right. where there's a lot of technologies and a lot of teams and a lot of acronyms, having something that people can talk about. So it's not the it's not the the um the, the the BFG team, it's something else, right? You've got a product that that you're that you're trying to launch. Naming that product, that's that's the tricky bit. I can't help you there. I've made some terrible, <laughs> terrible decisions in that in that camp. Yeah, um, yeah. I would say stay away from from clever what you think is clever acronyms. Don't do don't do that. Um once you have a product, I think that you then have a brand. That means you can then build a website. You can then um you can work on how you get that name out there. One of the most successful things that, that, that I did was, um, and I don't think it was my idea, I think it was someone else on the team, so let's just be honest, but I can't remember who it was, and it was laptop stickers. And they were joking, I think, at the time, because we are talking about brand and building this. And uh, no, laptop stickers, we're like, well, we can, we can get those printed. So we got our logo, which was effectively a little, little cloud shape, as you'd expect, and we got a bunch of these laptop stickers printed, and we gave them out. Uh, the meetings that we did and then slowly but surely these stickers started appearing on people's laptops and it's it was nice i think there's two parts i think one is there's a group identity almost mm -hmm. there's free advertising what's that well that's interesting but the other part is that when you have a brand especially for a small team that's maybe starting a brand helps you initially pull your engineers together so you're building something. You can name the thing that you're building. And you can take pride in that because a brand and a product can be perhaps different from the norm. Um, so, you know, you're at all young startups, you know, like, as you said, we are, we're not a delivery company. We're a lifestyle company. 
you can you can do that in the initial to to give people the dream. You know, we're not an IT department. We are a, uh, a cloud team that's going to automate all of the things. We're not going to be a ticketing space. We're not going to do things by hand. Anything that comes in and what obviously not. You'll run out of time very quickly. But you can you can build a brand for individuals from your team as well as people outside. You. Um, so yeah, I think that branding and naming and marketing is important. Um, in terms of how you go about getting the name out there, you need to have in your team that are able to sell. Dirty word in many IT departments, but you need to go out and believe in what you're selling mm. and believe in the value that what you're doing in the company the, that it brings. Um, and have that conversation be be comfortable saying, well, you know, are we having a birthday party? Are we making a cake? Great. Have you tried this? There's a great recipe on our website. You know, having that um, that enthusiasm to find out where people's problems are and, and really dig in. Uh, and then just take any opportunity you can. Um, if someone, if the team's having a stand-up, reach out, use your network. Can I come along for 10 minutes and introduce what my team's been doing, what we're working on? Um, if your company has an internal website, contact them. Can I can I put a news article in to talk about this new thing we're trying to build? I'd you know I'd love to talk about what we're what we're doing. Even better, why not um why not try and do things in a new way? If your video if your if your internal website's very text oriented, start doing some videos. Do interviews with your with your engineers. You know, put something together that that stands out. But whatever you do, I think the important thing is to work at the open. Let people see what you're doing and try and get people excited about what this might mean and try not to get too stuck in the tech. Try and focus on people and business value. Yeah, no, no, that's great. And and I think, you know, that's that's exactly what I've seen at other organizations over the years is um I mean, all all of the seemingly trivial tactical things you went over like just all the way down to like well you're going to need a logo <laughs> right like like and and all of those things come from it's been a long time since i've read you know i had my little phase of reading identity and brand management but i think and and you pointed this out right especially technical people it's easy for them to be cynical about marketing and brand and stuff because there are many examples of how marketing is just used to like sell commodity things that like you know like this soap this dish soap isn't actually going to change your life right like it's just going to wash your dishes like and so like you kind of build up that cynical husk around things however you hit upon something that is important for a brand uh which is i think if you have a successful brand it helps build a community of people who are more willing to like go above and beyond to make the group successful, right? Like they have an identity that's built into it and it becomes in, in not a conniving or a cynical way. It's, it starts to become part of who they are. And like, you know, if most people are in a halfway decent, healthy state, they want to improve their themselves. Improve is the wrong word, but they want things to go well. Yeah. And so if they extend that to the group that they identify with, because there's a brand, that means going back to like your Slack thing, right? Like you'll have those people who aren't responsible for helping answer questions, just help out and answer questions. In the same way you see on the internet, there's people who are loyal to the brand of like Java <laughs> or Go. And so when they see people in, in that community who have questions, they help out with it proactively, which I think that is a, a practical, powerful, effective brand in like the IT world and why it's worth like, I don't know, going to Fiverr 
and getting a logo <laughs> or, or, or whatever. <laughs> I think that's important as well. You, although logos and name choices, I think, are, are good. And identity, by the way, I think that's the critical word. It's not really a brand. Exactly. You're trying to build an identity and a community, um, and which will then build an ecosystem that's a whole different subject. When you start having a portfolio of products, you have different problems, but we won't, we won't dig into that. Um, but yeah, don't let those things be barriers. I think that, um, as you say, if you need a logo, you don't need to, to, to go to extensive levels to, to get the best possible logo. Fiverr or some other website, build something yourself. There's a whole bunch of free things online available to make something. And naming as well, just, um, again, just you, you just need to choose one at some stage. And if you choose a bad one, which you will, uh, just you need to just double down on that. You, that's, that's your name now. And for better or for worse, that's what it's going to be called. Exactly. And you can all have a laugh about it when you're when you're uh, when you're on stage talking about it at some uh, global event. Well, that, well, that that can be part of it. It's kind of charming to be a little like ah, I re- I realize that like you know, glo- global agile cloud is a little cheesy, but you know, it is right. Like, <laughs> like that's part of the charm of it. Well, well, before before we close out, um, I, I get we won't really get to the tech part. Maybe one day we'll we'll get to that. But I think. Um, you know, you raised up something that is still always a mystery to me or not a mystery. I'm not satisfied with the answers I've gotten so far. So it's, it's always good to get more, um, proof that I should be satisfied, which is like, like, what's the deal with finance? (laughs) Like why people always raise up that it's a problem. And I, I, you, you, you highlighted what the problem is and what everyone always tells me. And it's one of those things where it seems like so obvious that it's a problem that I don't quite understood why, understand why it's not solved yet. And, and what I hear, and t- tell, me, tell me the details of this, but what I hear when I ask people this question is, well, the way the finance department works is there's two things that become a problem. One, the first one is that you make a promise that you're going to deliver on in 12 months. And it becomes an issue if you don't deliver on that promise. And that doesn't, so that's your first primary problem in this kind of environment, because the trick is that you don't really know what the result is going to be in 12 months, if you're being honest with yourself. Like, and, and I see this happen over and over again with platform things where like, to put it in, in like a, a negative way, like you kind of only achieve 50% of what you thought you would, if you're lucky. <laughs> and so like, or even less. So that becomes your first problem is like, you are going to have a meeting with finance in 12 months where you say, we delivered 50% of less of what we promised. So that's an issue. And then I think the other thing that people raise up is that because you're talking in a 12 month window, I mean, these are kind of spaces of the same thing is you kind of have to over promise to get a big pool of money. And when you end up over promising, I'm sure this never happened in places you work, but I hear this has happened in other places is you just kind of sort of make stuff up <laughs> in, in order to, in order to achieve a business case. You're like, well, what if we ended up modernizing these five critical applications and therefore we drive efficiency and we get $2 million more like pounds. And so therefore we can make the business case. Right. And, and then, and then once finance approves it, you're kind of in the situation of like, Oh boy, how are we going to do that? <laughs> so I, I don't know. That's, that's kind of like the dump of the answers that I've gotten. But like what, like what are the things that, that you encounter when like finance is a problem uh, for this? 
So I think you've described how probably 99% of enterprises run. You have a, an annual financing um, system. You you have to get big money promised to you at the beginning of the year, and then you have to deliver big at the end of the year. And in the middle, it's probably not finance that's catching up with you. It's probably just a project manager or program manager making mm. sure that you are on track. Um, and of course, that's where I think uh, where the lies come in, which is, well, what are we on track for exactly? Because you're not really tracking your your goals that you're planning on meeting. You're tracking your progress towards building the thing with the assumption right. that once you build the thing, that'll deliver the big goals, right? Um, especially if you're building a product or you're building software or something like that. Or if it's a migration, you might have a whole bunch of work to do up front. Um, finance, without doubt, is, a, is an entire thing by itself, and I will not uh, try to, to present myself as any form of expert. Um, but I think the best thing you can ever do is to phone up someone in your finance team and ask for a chat about how does finance work here? What are the problems that you have finance? What are the what, what are the the things that go wrong for you? What what do projects do that make your life difficult in finance? You know, you're not asking for money; you're just asking for knowledge. Um, the other great thing that you can do as well is that a lot of people in finance who are working as part of an IT company don't really understand a lot about IT. Much like a lot of people working in IT don't understand a lot about capex, opex, and mm. and all this kind of stuff. So have a knowledge share session. Say, look, would would you be interested in us catching up on a regular basis? I'll I'll try and answer some of your cloudy questions, and maybe you can answer some of my financing questions. Um, so understanding how finance structured in your business, I think, is the first step. Understanding where others cause people pain, and again, there's a common theme here, right? It's not really about technology or the finance. It's about the people behind it, because if you can make friends with a finance person and you are seen to be a project or program that is um, low hassle, you know, you've not caused any problems, there's no big red flags on you, then that's a really good sign. And understanding what good looks like from a finance perspective because really what you want to do is you definitely want to achieve your project outcomes, whatever they may be. But more importantly, you, you want to achieve the financial outcomes. There has to be, as you said, that balance. We're making the assumption that we have to make big promises to get big money so they all cancel out, right? Well, maybe, maybe we <laughs> right. have to do that. Maybe there's another way. Um, so, for example, maybe you have a chat with finance about your, your business case. And you structure it differently. You say, well, actually, I'm not going to ask you for $5 million. I'm going to ask you for 500k this quarter, and then I think next quarter we'll probably look like this, and then this will be this, and then we'll add these numbers up. Um, but my plan is to deliver this value in the first quarter, this value in the second. Bear in mind, we this will probably change as we go. We'll have a replanning at the end of each, and we want you, by the way, involved in that process alongside our customers, etc. And you give them the option of saying, "Well, look, we're going to spend this money, but..." If you, for whatever reason, need to hold back money or you need to stop the money entirely, we've still delivered some value because finance is mostly about managing risk. We are putting money into the project in the hope that you'll deliver value. But finance has a whole bunch of problems on their side about how they go at managing the finance of the company. Like the worst thing in my that I've learned from, from my time with finance people is that running over budget is actually more manageable than running under budget. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Easy, right? But if you're over budget, there's things that you can do 
to try and control that going forwards. And it might be that you've gone over budget for understandable things. And now we need to find more money. Well, that's problematic, but we might maybe need to cut the scope back. But if you get to October and you know, you're know you're pushing into Q4, and at that point, you haven't spent enough of your money, well, all of a sudden, what you've done is two things. One is obviously you've under-delivered on what you were planning on doing. But the other thing is that is money that could have been used by someone else to deliver more value, but you held on to it and you didn't you didn't talk about it early enough. So finance now have two problems. They've got a pot of money, which means their graph at the end of the year is going the wrong direction, for better or for worse. Bearing in mind that stock uh, shareholders want repeatability, not necessarily just big numbers. If you forecast a number, you kind of need to hit the forecast. If you go way over the forecast, you're in trouble as well. Because if I was a shareholder, I would have got more shares if I knew the number was going to do that, right? So I think from a finance perspective, you need just to understand what the challenges are for them and try and meet those. And I think as well, managing your risk along the way. And I think this is where agile and app modernization can really help because we're not talking about waterfall. We don't need to wait all the way to the end of the project to get value. Why don't we do a minimum viable product to begin with, get that out, prove the case, go back to finance and say, we built a basic version of it. We've got 10 users already. We're delivering this business value to the company. And so we now want the next tranche of money to expand the site. We're going to do X, Y, and Z. So I think just just having a conversation and understanding that like IT people hidden in the basement, finance are real human beings too. <laughs> and, it, you know, it's taking that same mentality uh, that the operations people do with developers, which is make sure you understand what the needs of your customers, the finance people are, right? And how they think and, and like what their deal is. And then, and then once you do that, you also have to make sure it goes the other way. You got your shifting left and right, you know, you lose, you're just shifting all over the place. And, and, th and that is, you know, like how, how can you help them achieve their goals, uh, better and and you know i think to use one word or one phrase to to summarize everything we were saying about finance or most of it is like the job of finance is to make sure money is spent responsibly which means it means at least two things one well i mean of course you want to prevent corruption and stuff like that but like but the the two non-crime related things it means <laughs> is is like and and the second you 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 highlighted i think is is often forgotten but one that people are spending money you know in a good way rather like responsibly there's a reason to spend the money and it results in an improvement but you know i think i think as an individual in in individual as they say kitchen table finance you don't think about this aspect but it's that you're not missing out on an opportunity to make more money which is your underspending part right like to some, if, if you don't actually use all of your budget, what that means is that, again, someone else didn't get that budget where you might have been able to make even more money. And that is a problem in itself, because then, I mean, really, for all the vision, vision statements and stuff and, and, you know, giving back to the world and being a good person that most corporations have, their real goal is just to make more money constantly. <laughs> right. And and so, like, if you're if you're failing at that number one goal or not failing but if you are not meeting the potential of that number one goal then that can be damaging which is hard to like wrap your head around because it's like you you didn't do something and you saved money and that was bad <laughs> but anyhow i think i think that's a good overview of like starting to understand why finance is a problem for all sorts of like agile type of thinking it because it's just like 
there's not a good matching up of, of those interfaces there. Well, this has been great. I mean, I think, I think uh, uh, we've covered many topics, I think, that are, you, you know, I'm always interested in talking about these things when, like, intuitively a statement makes sense, like finance is a problem. And it's always fun to kind of, like, dig down and define why that is and then what not only like tactically operationally what needs to change to fix it but how people should understand what's going on differently the mindset in order to uh, to make it better which which I, I i think we accomplished here well in a, in a in a very non-creepy way if people wanted to kind of like catch up with and like see see what you're up to out in the world would you have anything you would uh, point them to um so uh you'll you'll find me on the on the twitters etc if you've got any questions please do reach out um I'm also planning on writing some blog articles on the Tanzu blog. Um, so um, hopefully you'll see some content from me there. Um, but yeah, I would say that the, the big thing really is is just look at your business and try and be as helpful as possible and understand that everyone is just trying to do the best they can, but they've got their own challenges. And the more you can understand those, the, the better that you can you can help. The more you help people, the more they'll trust you. The more they trust you, the, the more friends you'll have. And then all of a sudden, all this becomes a lot, lot easier. Yeah, it's easier to be successful with a smile. <laughs> it, it, it seems like, especially sustainably uh, successful. Well, just as a reminder, if you've listened this far, you're probably highly interested in, uh, Brian mentioned earlier, we have, we have our conference VMware Explore coming up. In the U.S., it's going to be August 29th and 1st, pretty soon here. Uh, and uh, I'll be there. Are, are you going to be there, Brian? I, I, uh, I forget. I am hoping to come along to uh, VMware Explore in Barcelona. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Well, that's the second one. That's the second one. So I've broken yes. my track record for, for, for VMworld, now VM Explore, um, uh, over, you know, due to COVID, et cetera. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to getting back and again, meeting people and, and uh, again, the corridor chats and some of the, uh, the great presentations there. And, and so that's the other one is we also have uh, the, the Europe one in Barcelona, which is November 7th to 10th. And uh, I think we also have some Asia ones, which I am not apprised of. I, sh I should get there. But uh, now's a good chance to like check out the catalog and, and register for that one. I think the catalog for the Europe one hopefully will be up, I don't know, sometime soon. So you can start to decide about that. But if you go to cote.io slash explore, you can find uh, links to that. And then I've got a little uh, a little video where I'm like, this is great. You should come uh, check it out if you like if you like videos and stuff like that. Uh, and as as always, if you want to, uh, you know, get the show notes for this and check out other ones, you can go to tanzutalk.com. That's where we have all of this sort of stuff, little short videos, longer ones. You can figure out how to subscribe to the podcast and I don't know. We got all sorts of links to free stuff and things like that. Well, thanks for being on. It was great. And uh, with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Thanks so much. Bye.